2: Friday, and it's perfect out there right now. Thank you for tuning in, Paul and Jordana and DJ, on a picture postcard perfect Friday in so Minnesota good. and across the upper so Midwest. Good. And welcome to the abortion hour on CCO Radio.
3: <laughs> Did you ever think you would say that? Welcome to the abortion hour on the Paul and Jordana show? <laughs> We
2: we need to call it something different. It just, no. And I'm not making light of the subject, but we are going to take an entire hour and look at one of the most controversial topics that any of us can discuss right now. And I want to see, Jor, if we can have a civil conversation about abortion. Um, we're going to present both sides. Without commentary, and then you and I will have a chance at the end of this hour to catch up. One in four women in the U.S. have an abortion before the age of 45.
3: That actually uh, shocks me. That yeah. That is really surprising. And I wonder if it's how you define abortion like our i don't know if you can see that in your stats is something called a dnc considered an abortion because when you miscarry you have to have an a a procedure called a dnc which sort of gets rid of the the remaining fetal tissue that you have miscarried right and do you know i don't know if that's considered an abortion but what when i was pregnant i had a few miscarriages and yeah. obviously, um, that's not what I wanted, but it, it's what happened, and I had to have that procedure. So I wonder if I'd be counted in that stat.
2: My wife did too. She uh, mm-hmm. miscarried in Chicago. So I I don't pretend to know if, if mm-hmm. what what is included. But the numbers, uh, the latest number I had twenty twenty in Minnesota, ninety one hundred abortions. 20 facilities in the state of Minnesota that perform abortions nationwide. The latest numbers I have for from 2019, according to the CDC, 629,000 abortions. Ninety two percent of those took place before 13 weeks of gestation. Mm -hmm. Six percent took place between 14 and 20 weeks and less than one percent took place at more than 21 weeks. Um, A large portion of U.S. abortions are induced very early in pregnancy by medication. And I didn't know this. Half the abortions now are done with pills rather than surgery, right?
3: Well, Paul, that's the next battleground, by the way. The Times just did a piece on this, that um, some states are moving to limit what are called medical abortions, which is basically plan B. It's the morning after pill. It, right. You know, if if this overturn of Roe happens, um, this two drug combination for like a medical abortion, as it would be, or a plan B, they use it. You can use it up in the first 10 weeks of pre- of, of pregnancy um, and uh, you can buy it at the grocery. Uh, excuse me, at the pharmacy. Um, that could also become illegal and unavailable for people who um find themselves in a bad situation. So that is also frightening because that um, is another option for women who don't have to go to a clinic who can handle this early on. And, um, you know, there's lots of legs, lots of repercussions of this happening. Of course, it doesn't change the initial, the crux of the argument about abortion that people do have. And that's what Paul and I have done with this hour Um, I interviewed Sarah Stace, who is the president of Planned Parenthood, and then you interviewed um, a doctor from a a church. Is that right, Paul?
2: That is exactly right. Uh, Dr. Alan Tennyson, he is a professor of theology. He's also the dean of the College of Church Leadership at North Central University here in Minneapolis, and basically asking him, why are you pro-life? Right. Right.
3: And I asked, um, you know, how would this change abortion and why are abortions uh, necessary in today's day and age? I asked that of the president of Planned Parenthood. So that's how we're breaking down the, era, uh, the hour. You'll hear from Sarah, Dr. Allen, uh, and Paul and I then will sort of talk about our reactions uh, right. amidst all of this. I, I I will go on record, Paul, if that's okay, just to start off the hour. I am staunchly in favor of a woman's right to choose. I think the abortion laws that are currently in place, like Roe v. Wade, should stand. I do believe in a woman's right to choose autonomy over her body and that she has the ultimate decision whether or not she wants to end a pregnancy You know, before the 24 weeks.
2: And I will go on record saying that I am on the fence, and I know to some that will seem like a cop-out. Oh, Paul just wants to have it both ways. I believe that all life is precious, that life is a gift. I also would have problems with any government official or any law telling me what I could do with my body. So I put myself you know, into the position of a woman and being told what they can and cannot do with their body. And I realize it's more complicated than that. But uh, I'm right on the fence, and I could be swayed one way or the other.
4: And I want to go on record as as our producer and the one I just tape both of these interviews with you guys, and I'll go on the record and say that I love that I work for a show with two people in you guys who don't see everything the same but are willing to engage in thoughtful and meaningful discussion and listen to each other. And I think that's uh, hopefully a path forward with this particular issue, but I think that needs to be a path forward with our country We are so divided on so many issues, and I hope this hour can be a little microcosm of what it might be to listen to somebody who disagrees with you. And, you know, I don't know if we're changing anybody's mind today, but we can at least listen and try to understand. And at the end of the day, you guys are still going to love each other. And uh, I think that's what's important, to have real good conversations in a
2: positive way.
3: Hmm, Well said, DJ. DJ. He's the best. He's the real voice of reason on this show, by the way.
2: I know. I know he saves us from ourselves. Yeah. Every when day. we
3: return, Sarah Stace, uh, uh, the the local CEO and president of Planned Parenthood. The news of the leaked draft from the Supreme Court from Justice Alito has really rocked a huge percentage of the country. That believed in Roe v. Wade that wants to keep abortion rights the way it is and we're delving into this conversation today. Again, we don't debate abortion because we don't imagine that we can change hearts and minds, but we do want to understand each side of this issue. So joining me now is Sarah, St- Sarah States. She is the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood North Central States, and she has been so for two decades. Sarah, thank you for coming on the show today.
5: You're welcome. It's good to be here with you.
3: Appreciate it. So let's just start with some background. Um Obviously, this this was shocking news, maybe not to you, because I know we have been fighting to keep abortion rights since Roe happened 50 years ago. But explain to our listening audience why abortion rights are so important and why people feel so um hurt and violated when they are being threatened to be taken away.
5: Right. Well, the reason that overturning Roe will affect women in our country and, of course, in the state of Minnesota in such a devastating way is that, first of all, abortion does not fall equally on the shoulders of all women. Women who are wealthy, let's be very clear about this. Women who are wealthy will be minimally impacted. And this is the, this was the case before Roe as well. Women could travel to states like New York and California, where abortion was legal, or they went to Mexico or to Europe or to Japan. That is going to be the case again once Roe no longer is the law of the land in our country. So that's the first important thing to know. The other important thing is that abortion is essential health care. And when I say that, I mean that abortion protects women's health. We are now, because of the imminent fall of Bro, we are now facing a world where women who have ectopic pregnancies or women who have miscarriages that need treating or other complications from their pregnancies will not be able to get the health care that they need. And, in fact, it's care that saves their lives. We know that. And we have seen an alarming number of women in countries like El Salvador and other places where abortion has been illegal for years die, uh, even right in the emergency room of hospitals, because hospitals are not allowed to treat them. So this is a very important matter for women. It's just not about um, a a person deciding not to um, become a parent at, at a particular moment in their in their life, although that's important, too. It's also important because abortion is health care.
3: Talk to us specifically about Minnesota. We've had a governor and two senators that basically said this will not affect us on their watch. So speak specifically about these north central regions that you govern. Uh, Will it change anything for women locally?
5: It won't change things for women in Minnesota today. And that is because we have a state Supreme Court decision that protects the right to abortion access here in minnesota however we know that that can change we know that other justices could be appointed to the supreme court by an unfriendly governor we know that uh, precedent can be overruled we've just seen that Um, and so we can take nothing for granted here in minnesota in our surrounding states north dakota south dakota wisconsin michigan um, you know, Iowa to an extent, but certainly at the other four, immediately abortion will become illegal in those states. And I, I think it's a, sort of a matter of time before we face similar circumstances in Iowa. And so we will be seeing more and more women coming to Minnesota seeking abortion care. And, and, and you know, that's a certainly a, a serious matter for us at Planned Parenthood, because we have an obligation to care for them, and we will
3: and when you say illegal, let's just be very clear. It would make it illegal in all cases. Define to, to that for us.
5: Well, it depends on the final draft, of course, as is written. We, we've seen a we've seen a draft um, written by Justice Alito that is very extreme, and he uses words uh, like uh, saying abortion or the a Roe case was egregiously. Decided, And and if that draft is allowed to stand, it could make abortion or would make abortion illegal um, in all cases. Um, We don't know um, uh, know, what the final draft will look like. And I can only hope that if they do decide to, in fact, overturn Roe, that they leave a little bit of room to protect the health and well-being of pregnant women. But at this point, we just don't know.
3: Right. So this is even in the case of the health of the mother. If, if, if it's the health of the mother, the health of the baby, that woman has to have the baby. And if it's in a case of rape, rape or incest, a case of rape, that woman has to have the baby. Is that correct?
5: That's absolutely correct. And, you know, you remember that there are some pregnancies that are so detrimental to a woman's health that not only might she not carry the pregnancy to term, she might not be able to have other children as well. Like for example, ectopic pregnancies, which are pregnancies that occur in the fallopian tube, cannot possibly grow to full term. It's it's impossible. Um, and if that pregnancy is not removed from a woman's body, she can die, or her um, internal organs can be so badly damaged that she will never be able to have another pregnancy. Under uh, the, uh, you know, certain laws in this country uh, that have not yet been able to stand because Roe is still the law of the land, removing an ectopic pregnancy is considered an abortion. We consider that health care so that a woman can go on and have subsequent healthy pregnancies and a healthy family. How do
3: you respond to people who say abortion is taking a life?
5: Well, I'm from a deeply religious family myself and i fully understand and appreciate the moral complexity of this issue i I really do and i respect and appreciate that people have complex and sometimes ambivalent feelings about abortion and it is precisely because people have complex and sometimes ambivalent or conflicting feelings about abortion I believe that every individual should be able to make their own decision. There is no such thing as moral absolutism here. This is a complicated issue. I really do respect that. I just ask that others also respect individual people's rights to make the best decisions for themselves and for their families.
3: Sarah Stace, the President and CEO of Planned Parenthood, North Central States, thank you for your time today. Uh, Thank you for the explanation. We wish you well.
5: You're more than welcome. Thank you.
3: We'll go back and ask if we have more questions, but that is the side of Planned Parenthood and um, how they look at things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. More statistics. More than 80% of people getting abortions in Minnesota are unmarried, Jordana. The data show, shows that most of them are in their 20s and first trimester. When we come back, I'll look at the other side of this, the pro-life side. Uh, we have a chance to interview. I had a chance to interview Dr. Alan Tennyson from North Central University in Minneapolis. His thoughts coming up next on CCO. Joining us right now on the John Schuster. Caldwell Banker Hotline is Professor Alan Tennyson. He is the Dean, College of Church Leadership, Professor of Theology at North Central University in Minneapolis. Professor Tennyson, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Good to have you here. Let's, let's dive right into the weeds. Why are you pro-life?
1: Uh, I'm pro-life because I believe that life begins at conception. Uh, That a fetus just refers to another stage of human development, uh, like adolescence or uh, toddler, and that that life should be protected.
2: I'm a little bit conflicted. I'm a person of faith. I believe all life is precious, a gift from God. But giving government... Control of our bodies seems like a bad idea. Let, let me give you an example, something that goes through my mind that somebody brought up and it made me think differently about this. If men were forced by law to have vasectomies that could be reversed when they want to procreate and have kids but not really have a choice in the matter, I suspect that men would cry bloody murder. Uh, women have rights, do fetuses... Uh, Do the unborn have equal rights, in your opinion?
1: Well, I would say that the uh, fetus, that the human being at the fetal development, has at least the right to exist. And that when we're talking about rights over bodies, we're talking about more than just one body. I think the question that a lot of people have is, when does the human being become a person?
5: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: Roe and certainly Casey seem to recognize that an unborn fetus may have personhood at the level of viability, which is why they allowed states to restrict abortion in the third trimester. Because there is this recognition that you don't have to be born to be a person. Others feel like that the personhood has to happen much earlier, or that even in light of being unsure, the safest is to say, the life at conception gets treated as a person. But when we're dealing with this, we're dealing with two lives, not just one.
2: My question for you, people point out who are pro-choice that, okay, this might just be the first straw, that they're coming after other rights, who I marry, contraception, LGBTQ rights. Um, How do you respond to that when people say, well, this is a slippery slope?
1: I understand the argument. I will say that in the draft uh, that was released, written by Justice Alito, Uh, He does make the case that it's an apple. And of course, it's not his language, it's mine. But he seems to make the case that it's an apples and oranges comparison, because what's different from those cases in this is the presence of another life. So that we're talking about the ending of a life that doesn't have a voice in the situation.
2: Professor, another question that comes to mind. In 2020 hindsight, I was fairly reckless and careless in high school and college. I could have been, in retrospect, a father at a very young age. And that would have impacted the trajectory of my career and my life. Here, Here is is where I struggle a little bit. In a world without abortion rights, we will have more unwanted children being born. And I, as I mentioned, I believe every life is precious. Every child should be wanted. wanted. Every child should be loved and cared for. If women have children essentially against their will, if they have to carry children they don't want to term, who cares for all these unwanted kids?
1: I am so glad you brought that up, because that is a concern that I have, and it's where I I don't feel, I feel cautious uh, with the release of this draft, because this isn't just a critical time for the pro-choice movement, Uh, it's a critical time for the pro-life movement. Because how the pro-life movement responds to the overturning of Roe, if pro-life legislatures, for instance, pass laws that are overly punitive towards pregnant mothers, that's really going to determine whether or not there is a pro-life movement in a generation. Because abortion is still going to be a debated topic in a generation. We're debating in this the legality of abortion as a procedure, but we're not dealing with the attractiveness of abortion as a choice. Mm -hmm. According to Alito, Roe was poorly done. But it's been made to bear the weight for a culture that many mothers don't feel was designed for them or for their children. Why do expectant mothers choose to have an abortion? Surveys that have been done asking mothers this question have shown that many of them feel like they didn't actually have much of a choice, either for financial reasons, due to lack of support from partners, due to raising other children, so that they felt like it was kind of a Sophie's choice. I have to choose one over the other or simply lack of opportunity given to them if they choose to raise a child. Abortion is attractive where being a mother isn't. And at the same time, adoption isn't considered attractive. I think there's become some kind of stigma with adoption if mothers feeling like I'm going to be blamed for giving up my child. Those have to be things that are addressed, not just the procedure of abortion, but what are the reasons why people choose abortion? We have to create a culture that's more hospitable for mothers, a culture that's more hospitable for children. You know, my assumption is that the pro-choice community will want choices other than abortion to seem viable for expected mothers. My assumption is that pro-lifers will want choices other than abortion to be more viable for expected mothers. And this is something we could actually agree on and work towards as long as we don't allow our opinion on Roe to become some sort of litmus test on whether we can work together on behalf of mothers and children. Because if we don't, then mothers and children are going to lose out further in a culture that they don't feel is designed for them, which is why abortion becomes an attractive option.
2: It would sure be nice if we could find some common ground. It seems like so often we talk past each other. But uh, step one is listening. Not sure we're changing any minds, but I sure am grateful that uh, you were able to enunciate your viewpoint and the pro-life viewpoint. Dr. Alan Tennyson, Dean, College of Church Leadership, Professor of Theology at North Central University here in Minneapolis. Thank you so much, Professor. Appreciate your time.
3: Thank you. Fascinating. it really was and and where I'm always looking for the common ground. so where we agree is that nobody ever wants an abortion. Nobody chooses they say that's a great idea. Let me go get an abortion. They get an abortion because they're in a bad situation. They're either their health and their life is at risk or. As uh, Dr. Tennyson mentioned, they have other children, and they don't feel that they can support them. We also in this country don't have paid family medical leave. So you can't take time off to care for the infant that you just gave birth to, because our country and our culture doesn't support it. We don't have assistance in early childhood education. I mean, some states do, but most, uh, many do not. So while some people say, yes, we, we want that life to exist. We want that life to have a choice. There's no support for that life once it exits the uterus and no support for that mother once she carries that child nine months, you know, even if it is against her will, because now she's, you know, she, she's got this baby with no support and maybe she can't afford it. So um, he, I, I agree with him in the fact that nobody ever chooses abortion as their first choice. That's not something women aspire to. So were there better options, sure, that might cut down on it. But fundamentally, this is about the rights of the woman to control her body. And, you know, even Roe had limits. You couldn't have an abortion after 24 weeks. There are limits to Roe. So, yes, based on viability of a human, you know, there, there are – it is limited. What is so challenging about overturning it and having these new laws in some states go into place – is that it doesn't take into account the mother's life. So people say that they're pro-life. What if this endangers the mother? They These new restrictive laws say that she has to die for a pregnancy that may or may not be viable to exist. Really?
2: Yeah. Yes. I mean, even the former President Trump agreed with Ronald Reagan, who said, there's correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. He said there should be exceptions for rape and incest, mm-hmm. and if the health of the mother is at risk. So I one question I have, Jorah, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, and we can keep this going after the break. Um, should um, abortion be used as a form of birth control? Because that's one of the complaints I get, is that sometimes people use it as, you know, it may not be their first choice, but... If whatever method they're using fails and, you know, she winds up getting pregnant, it, it becomes a form of birth control. And then some people say, well, you know, if we regulate abortion, are we going to be regulating uh, contraceptives? In other words, wh- where do you draw that line?
3: We, we might be. Right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I so mean, we might I, be, you know, if uh p- We certainly might be, you know, like I said, the morning after pill, that's how we started the segment at some point, you know, if, if that's what it comes down to. And, and his argument was, you know, of course that life begins at conception. Well, then the morning after pill, if that rule stands, you know, then the morning after pill is the morning after conception. You know, again, I, that's not where my viewpoint is, um, but that's that's next on the chopping block is Plan B and the morning after pill, medical alleged abortions. Um, that's where we would be going next. So uh, let, let's take a quick break and then you and I can react to both of these, um, the, Dr. Tennyson and Sarah Stace from Planned Parenthood. And mm-hmm. um, we, can, we can chat about that. That's next on CCO. We've been talking about abortion for the last hour. If you missed... Our conversation, I interviewed Sarah Stace, who is the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood, and Paul spoke with Dr. Alan Tennyson, uh, the dean the College of Church Leadership, professor of theology at North Central University in Minneapolis. Clearly, they have very different stances on abortion and um paul and i are also divided about this as you can imagine um i believe in a woman's right to choose and i think abortion should be available for um women if they feel that that is not the right choice for them in their life and um and you have questions and that's okay well
2: i do have questions and I'm on the fence i'm I'm conflicted. I have been for decades, and i keep and look i mean i I do really believe that all life is precious, but I also get nervous when politicians tell people what yes. they can and cannot do with their bodies, and so trying to weigh those two, I think there's there's this sense that either you're pro life or pro choice and there are no other options um I think a lot of people may disagree with that that they they have concerns uh, maybe they tolerate abortion but they're not all in they're not happy with how many abortions we have you know every single year i look i'm glad my mom didn't abort me uh among other things right i mean she could have she could have
3: of course
2: i take nothing for granted i'm i'm grateful that i'm here and that I've had a chance to enjoy my life and enjoy working with you and DJ. DJ, do you do you have any perspective on what you just heard with these two interviews?
4: I mean, yeah, I appreciated so much what both of our guests said and listening to you guys. But to me, it it's fairly simple in that it comes down. I mean, the the how we implement is really difficult, but it's fairly simple in terms of it, it comes down to. Um, when life starts. And I think both of us, all of us agree that life is precious and should be protected. And if life starts at conception, um, if you believe that, then the arguments like a, a woman's right to choose. Well, if a life at conception is just as valuable as a toddler, well, you know, nobody's arguing that a woman has the right to end her toddler's life. That would be ridiculous. Or Sarah mentioned that abort, you know, um, Limiting abortion rights would be harder on poor communities than wealthy communities, which is true, but raising toddlers is also harder for poor people than rich people. And if again, if you believe that life starts at conception and and that's equal to the life that we protect everywhere, then all those arguments um, crumble, in in my opinion.
3: And I think that's where we get in the weeds because... People talk about, well, life at conception, but what about a woman's right to have autonomy over her body? You know, sure, there's the conception thing, but even if you believe that life begins at conception, the other argument, and DJ, I'm just stating this, that, you know, um, Roe rules that a pregnancy is not really viable until 24 weeks. You know, the child could not live outside the womb, so is it really a life? And then, what about the life of the mother? What about her life? You know, there are instances where her emotional well being would not be good if this was a rape case and she was impregnated by a rapist, or if she, this is a case of incest where a father or a brother impregnated her against her will and now she has to follow through uh, with this pregnancy. And, you know, like her, her ability to support this child again mentally physically it might not be healthy for her to carry this baby to term she might survive it but it might be at great risk and then we say oh if there's a you know the fetus isn't viable or it's medically dangerous for the for the mother what hoops are the women gonna have to jump through to prove that they could die before they actually die during this pregnancy to be allowed to end this pregnancy in order to save their life I see a lot of points of failure with that plan
2: hey Jor we just had a civil conversation about abortion.
3: <laughs> Imagine that, Mark. And I appreciate Mark Fry, you, up DJ. Next. And I appreciate you, yes, uh, Paul. We really need new phones.
0: T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.